You're listening to the NFL on TuneIn. It's No Huddle with Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Let's talk Texans football with a good friend of the program, John McClain from the Houston Chronicle. John, always a pleasure. Let's put the career in perspective. How does this camp experience compare to the very first camp that you covered in the late 1970s? I tweeted yesterday, just dawned on me, I was three weeks into my first training camp when Brady was born on August 3rd, 1977. The Oilers were in Nacogdoches, Texas, up in the Piney Woods. It was so hot. 36 guys had to get IV'd in the hospital. They stayed there one year and left. And uh, so this is my 40th training camp. Wow. How much has changed? I know a lot. I can't say that, but I can't go that far back. But when in comparison to then and now, um, is, is it almost like riding a scooter and actually flying on spaceships now in comparison to? It's so much easier now than it was then. They had six exhibition games. Camp was eight weeks. They did two double days of two to three hours each. They hit from day one because a lot of players had to have jobs. So right. they started working out in June. It wasn't an all-year process. Facilities were awful. They didn't have great weight weight machines. Players didn't have a lot of muscles like they do today, <laughs> but they were fast and they quick. And I can't say that there are were more injuries then than there are now. And one of the things that was fun about it, think about your first day of camp. Now they can't put on pads because of the rules. Right, right. First day, but they were going full speed, full contact from the get-go. And I tell some players today about what it was like, not just then, all the way until they until probably the strike of 87, and they think I'm making it up. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, when thinking about the game now, even compared to when I played in 95, uh, I mean, how many generations of football have we seen since we watched Tom Brady that the game has changed? I mean, from having a fullback in the game to now having no backs in the backfield to where now you're mentioning no practices, how, how helpful is it now that Knowing that, Tom Brady just may be able to play until he's close to 45 years old because of what he said. And not just Brady. Drew Brees is still going strong. Yep. You know, the idea that Aaron Rodgers could play another 10 years. We are in an unprecedented era of passing the football. You know, the rules changed in 1978 where it's hard to envision offensive linemen not being able to extend their arms, having to keep their arms inside the pad and, gra- and block. It was just almost impossible to think about it. And it's a privilege for me to be able to cover so many great quarterbacks. I love watching Brady. He beats the heck out of the Texans every time they play, but he beats the heck out of most teams. (laughs) And it's a privilege to watch these guys. And I remember in uh, probably I grew up watching Johnny Unitas and always thought Johnny Unitas and Joe Montana are the greatest quarterbacks I've seen now. I believe it's Brady uh, unequivocally because when I look at what they've given him offensively, how many receivers have been first-round picks? You know, how many high-priced guys have they brought in and given him as uh, skill position players? Not many. He's done more with less as far as uh, the draft and free agency than than all those other quarterbacks who had Hall of Famers playing with him. Chatting with John McClain from the Houston Chronicle, while you have covered the Texans, you have not seen many future Hall of Famers at the quarterback position. We know that a lot of teams have legitimate QB competitions. Denver, Cleveland comes to mind. What's going on with the Texans' QB situation? What would it take for Deshaun Watson to be the starter week one? Okay, if you'd asked me this, Brian, uh, three weeks ago, I would say he had no 
no prayer. The thing is, he went when he was drafted, he had a long way to go, they thought. And because he's another spread quarterback coming out of college. And then when he got there, it turned out at Clemson, they gave him a foundation of doing things at the line of scrimmage. Bill O'Brien's offense is not all that complicated, but he puts a lot of pressure on a quarterback at the line of scrimmage based on his game plan, matchups, and then what he sees. And the, the quarterback makes a lot of calls, and he and he's done a great job of picking that up. They are blown away with how fast he's picked up the system, how he, how much he studies. O'Brien said. Every morning when he comes in and asks questions, it's obvious he's been studying that night. And I, and he said it's a, Watson said it's a lifestyle. Why, why, would I, why else would I not do it? And so he's gaining on Savage. He's got tremendous athleticism. We knew about that. He's got a better arm than I thought. I went back this week and read all the scouting reports by the ex, quote-unquote experts. And the things that they were saying, decision-making, arm strength, I don't see it. I watched him throw a rope 65 yards in the first game. It was incomplete because the DB made a great play, but I think it's only a matter of time. Savage is going to have to play really well and really consistently against New England and New Orleans, assuming Watson keeps improving. Now, I mean, he may take a step back, but it's only a matter of time, and I'm not saying unequivocally that he will not be starting the opener against Jacksonville because this kid is special. Let's be realistic, though. When looking at the quarterbacks that's been under Bill O'Brien, what, 14? I think this what, 15, 16 now? I got, well, I got me get my calculator. <laughs> <laughs> Being that you've had the opportunity to see all those quarterbacks, he's never had. Opportunity <laughs> right, right, right. He, you, but you've never seen one like Deshaun Watson. Not not neither one of these guys. So would you say it's more of the, the, the shock factor visually from the standpoint of how he moves, how he does it, how elusive he is in the sense of how he throws the football. And on top of that, having those attributes, being able to study like the quarterbacks that he's had over the time since he's been with the Houston Texans. All those things you mentioned, Cordell, we knew that coming out of Clemson. You know, he tore up Nick Saban's defense in the last the only year. one through 400 yards against him twice. National championship yeah. game. But it's it's the mental stuff, as you know, that separates the rookies. And and I don't know when the last time a rookie quarterback started the first game for a team coming off a playoff division title and a playoff win. It just doesn't happen. The ones that take over are taking over teams with losing records, right. including Dak Prescott and Russell Wilson. And so uh, it's the mental stuff. It's the way they say he's learned to correct his mistakes on the fly. He recognizes his mistakes when he makes them. And they say he doesn't make the same mistake. And that... And everybody, they have to be careful of going overboard right. about it. But privately, they just rave about him. And the way he continues to get better every day, he reminds me of Warren Moon. I covered every every snap Warren took. And as a rookie in 1984, Warren was 27. He had five Grey Cup titles on his resume. Deshaun's 21. But when I first interviewed him, he reminded me of Warren. I called Warren, who spent time with him. And Warren told me all these things that he was going to be. And I, I'm like, yeah, right. It's just because you like him and have kind of become a mentor. <laughs> but everything he says is coming true. Now, I'll say this. This time last year, I was saying great things about Brock Osweiler, except he was not accurate, which was a little problem. 
slight problem as we saw. <laughs> what about Watson throwing the 30 interceptions the last two years combined to Clemson? I watched John Gruden's quarterback school with him, and Gruden went over the tape and showed how many times receivers ran wrong routes, how many balls went in and out of the receiver's hands. And one time Gruden said, come on now, to Watson, you know that was the receiver's fault, and you won't say so because he's your roomie. And Watson took the blame for everything. But after watching Gruden break it down, I, I thought, you know what? I'm not paying any attention to that total number. Because we heard that stat repeatedly oh on goodness, the path of the yes. draft. But after watching it broken down, that's what I always did with Warren Moon. So many times his interceptions, I knew receivers were running wrong routes, so I would check. And so many times they get their hands on the ball, and it would ricochet. Receivers have to be – interceptions have to be looked at individually. Well, i tell you what, he's, he's shown me, I, I mean, regardless of anything – uh, that anyone may say uh, that he, if given the opportunity to be a starter, even though this team didn't win the playoffs last year, if he and Tom Savage truly have an open competition, do you think this young kid can actually beat out Tom Savage if given the proper opportunity? Yeah, well, he's given a proper opportunity, taking every snap with the twos, and then after the Carolina game when he looked real good. Okay. And what he did, he, you know, he overthrew some balls. He held the ball too much. He's a rookie. Yep. But... Uh, they gave him some reps with the ones, not many, just a few. And all the receivers are out, so he can't even really count it as the ones. But it was the first offensive line, and that offensive line right now is not very good. And so they're going to need a mobile quarterback. Savage is a pure pocket passer with a great arm who knows the system inside and out, but he lacks mobility. He can roll a little bit, but he's not going to get out of trouble. So I think it's just a matter of time before Watson wins that job. I think it's like a race, and he's coming on. You know, Tom's going as well as he can, but he's just closing, closing, closing. And it's only a matter of time before he passes it. He's Cordell Seward. I'm Brian Weber. NFL No Huddle special joint audio cast from the Texans training camp here at the Greenbrier Resort in West Virginia. John McClain, Houston Chronicle, is our guest. John, we talked so much last year about the Texans persevering on defense without J.J. Watt, number one in total D. Watt's back, but should we be talking more about the turnover, losing three starters to free agency, and now Vince Wilfork retiring? They weren't going to bring Vince back. They got a second-year nose tackle, D.J. Reader, who started one game on the nose and seven at the end. They love Reader. And they say he has some pass rush skills. They might use him in that role in some sub packages. And you got to figure when they play three linebackers, Clowney will be playing right in. When they play four linebackers, Clowney will be there. But if you're between Watt and Clowney, and those tackles, you guys know, in a 3 4, supposed to tie up two blockers. Well, there's no way they're going to put two guys on him when they got to worry about the other guys. So. And in the secondary, Kevin Johnson, former number one pick, who's really good, he's replaced Boyer, and they have to come up with a safety and to replace Quentin Dempsey's six interceptions. But they didn't make much of an effort to keep Dempsey or outside linebacker John Simon, the only player, and they had to cap money, but the only one they really made an effort was A.J. Boyer, the corner. And uh, I think if he had come back, and they offered him 12 and a half a year, got 13 and a half from Jacksonville, I think if he had come back, Kareem Jackson would be playing safety full time and right now he's going back and forth between the two will this defense see any any fall off without having uh, Vince Wolfork in there considering they'll have now Jadavion Clowney as well as J.J. Watt not with Raider no and Vince was a run stuffer you know and that was near the end of his career and he gave him everything he could for two two years but no I think that 
their front seven is really good. Their defensive line could be the best in the NFL. They were number one in defense, but they allowed too many points. They didn't force enough turnovers, and they only had one touchdown on defense. And as you guys know, to be a great defense, you got to allow a few points, yards, force turnovers, and score some touchdowns. Yep. Chatting with John McLean of the Houston Chronicle. Let's spotlight the wide receiver position. We know about DeAndre Hopkins. Numbers went down last year in part because Brock Osweiler was the quarterback. But with Will Fuller, Will Fuller out with the collarbone injury, how much depth do the Texans have at wideouts? I think they're watching the Patriots really closely because the Patriots have too many, too many receivers. But the odds are where the Texans be on the waiver claim, they're not going to get any good receivers who've been waived by team. Like New England, they'll be gone. Uh, Braxton Miller, who's hurt, got a sprained ankle. It's not bad. He needs to stay healthy because they need him to step up. Jalen Strong, like Miller's another former third-round pick, this is a make or break for him. He hadn't done squat for the first two years. So it's he's the number one guy out there right now in practice. They got some young guys. I, because they've run the ball more than any team in the league since Bill O'Brien has been here and they drafted Deontay Foreman in the third round, they're going to still run the ball. And that the best thing Brock Osweiler did here was incorporate the tight ends into the receiving game. They hadn't done it until he got here. And the two tight ends that they liked the best, C.J. Fedorowicz and Ryan Griffin, had more than 100, combined for more than 100 catches and 1,000 yards and six touchdowns. So they'll throw to them a lot until Fuller comes back. Unless somebody emerges that has not emerged in his career, that's almost almost going to be a forgotten position over there. When you look at the game now with teams that are having some success, uh, one for sure is the Atlanta Falcons. You look at their backfield, they have Coleman and Freeman. You see what they're trying to do in New Orleans with Mark Ingram and Adrian Peterson. Do you think the Texans are trying to do the same thing with the young man Foreman as well as Lamar Miller? Yes, they are, Cordell. And But Alfred Blue who's been the backup, sometimes starter. This is his fourth season. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I hadn't written a word about him for the first three weeks except put him in the list of backs, and then he looked really good against Carolina as the first guy off the bench. So he showed, I'm not giving this job up without a fight. But Foreman, who was only one of two 2,000-yard rushers at University of Texas history with Ricky Williams, he is 235. He's powerful. He rushed for 90. 91 yards against Carolina, including a 41-yard run. Their toughest cut's going to be at running back, and they're going to run the ball a lot. And even if Savage is the starter, you know, he doesn't have a touchdown pass in the NFL. He's only started two games. So whether it's him or Watson, they're going to run, run, and run some more. John, let's wrap it up with a big picture based on Cordell's relationship with Mike Malarkey going back to their time together in Pittsburgh. We talk AFC South football probably more than any program. (laughs) And I'm not just hyping the division because we're here, but think about what the Texans have done. I'm the pundit who every year doubles down and says, this is the year the Jaguars are competitive, and I know that worked out a year ago. The uncertainty in Indy with Andrew Luck coming back from the shoulder procedure. Is this division more talented and more competitive than it gets credit for being? It's more talented because they keep having such high draft choices. And the GMs, John Robinson's done a terrific job with Tennessee. I picked the Titans to win the division. Texans are trying to win it for the fifth time in seven years. If they get better play out of the quarterback position, they can win it again. Their defense could be great. Indy, that's scary. When we're at this point of the preseason and a quarterback is not thrown a pass. Because, Cordell, how long does it take a quarterback from doing nothing to throw the ball for 60 yards accurately? I mean, I mean, that's a minimum of at least 
200 throws. I mean, the throw, I mean, accurately to the point where it can be efficient in a game, maybe get a result of a touchdown of some sort, or, or just having to get that play uh, to keep the drive alive. And, and you're, you're making a great point is to have their marquee player, let alone one of the highest paid quarterbacks in the game. Scary. I think all the, all the, the, what do they call it? The, um, they come back and say the opportunities that he may have or the potential is the word they talk about. Future Hall of Famer. Future Hall of Famer. To see him not on the field. And, and here's my thing with this, John. And this, and this is what Brian and I go back and forth with. And, and, I, and I understand his point of what, what the young man, he, he has the potential to be something very special. But you're only as good as the pieces you have around you. And if they don't make the system good enough for him, meaning I run the football first, play action pass, that's how successful he was when he was at Stanford. They're trying to make him Peyton Manning, and he's not Peyton Manning. And I think because of those pieces he don't have, whether it's the running game, whether it's the DBs, whether it's receivers, and especially the offensive line, we're going to continue to see him at the end of every season having to go get checkups, surgery of some sort, missing some games because they're putting too much pressure on him. But that's not what you have going on in Houston uh, with the team you have. Defensively, you're solid. Offensively, I think you're solid. It's just trying to find that one piece on offense, which is a quarterback. Yeah, one little bitty piece. Little bit. Hey, pro football focus said Andrew Luck got hit more than any quarterback in the league last year. Yeah. That's not unusual for him. At some point, it's got to stop. Jacksonville's defense was fifth. It's all about Bortles. And then uh, now they have a running game with with, with uh, Fournette, with Fournette. Yeah. and also Chris Ivory helping. With the Texans running so much, Fournette coming to the Jaguars with Murray and Henry in Tennessee. Yeah, those three teams. It's like the smash mouth football, throwback football to and protect it works. the quarterbacks. Yep. Reminiscent of when you joined the NFL in 1977. <laughs> John, always a pleasure. Congratulations on that milestone. That is an eternity in our business. <laughs> Thank you, Brian. Thank you, Cordell. <laughs> you will. I always appreciate you guys having me on. You've been listening to No Huddle with Brian Weber and former Steelers quarterback Cordell Slash Stewart. Live on the NFL on TuneIn. 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown. The National Football League is on. Tune in.